Oh my gosh, you guys, I'm back. I've been away for a little bit because quarantine is weird. And I was trying to figure out how to do this next part. I want to get into the um, preliminary hearing we had down in Ventura. But I was also hoping to have more information from Cheryl Temple from Ventura about what's happening right now with the case. So let me just catch you up because she did send me some things, but I'm going to need to plow through them. So I've got, I do have the demurrer and I have the motion to dismiss and I have the prosecution's response to the demurrer. So that's the big thing that I'm, I'm going to have to probably do that on a weekend just because I need to really focus on going through that so I can take you guys through it. And then let's see, we've found out, well, so far it's all, all quiet on the jail front, knock on wood somewhere, here's some. And then uh, what Cheryl had said when she sent the documents to me um, I think it was late last week, or maybe it was just Monday. I don't know. Is time, time's relative now. Who even knows what day it is? But I do think it's Tuesday. That's for sure. Anyway, what Cheryl had said is that because the courts have essentially been closed, basically the whole docket is getting pushed, meaning, which is what I thought was going to happen. Basically, we're just going to shove everything, just like shoving books on a bookshelf. We're just shoving everything over. And there are some cases that have to be heard because people can't be um, held over for that long. So some cases are going to then have to be moved to the front of the line because by law they have to move faster than ours. So um, that's happening. Meanwhile, let's say thoughts and prayers for Dr. Speth because I'm hoping to get him on as a guest in the next two weeks. He won't be allowed to talk about the case per se, Although there are some things he could talk about that I think are incredibly interesting and you don't just get to hear a forensic pathologist come on and talk that often unless you're watching a special show or something. So I'm pretty excited about that. And he's just the coolest guy. I mean, he's just super smart and he, and he, he told he, I, when I talked to him two weeks ago, he just told me so many things I didn't even know about the whole field of forensic pathology, which is interesting because we all watch our true crime shows and think that it's so simple and that there's pathologists, they're always waiting for the autopsy, right? Except it turns out there's just, he said, I think 250 pathologists, uh, well, of his kind, super, super trained kind in the country, 250 in the country. And we're short about 250. We really should have about 500. And I said, it's not fair because the TV makes it seem like it's so simple, but it is not. And the amount of education is unbelievable. And then, and then I guess it's still a brutal field because people want to take a chunk out of you because no matter what, you're going to make one side or the other happy or unhappy. So anyway, I'm hoping to have him on soon. He is, if I haven't told you before, I think he's 84 years old. So he's one of those witnesses who's getting up there but he promises he's being COVID smart and very careful, even though he's in Connecticut. So let's hold out hope for him. He is a delightfully interesting person, super nerdy. He'll take us to places we never thought we'd go. But that's one of the reasons I want to make sure we get him on an interview, because I just think he's so interesting. All right, so we're, we're what we're going to do is I'm going to take you now through the drama and the landmines of the preliminary hearing that happened in Ventura starting this first article I'm going to read to you from the Star Free Press and um, Greg Zoria still on the beat. I need to find him. I wonder where he is. I need to find Greg because he covered so much of this, but this is from November 20th, 1981. And this was a big headline that day. And the headline is former partner held in Smith's slayings. 
Ventura Realty agent is arrested in Smith's Lane case. So here, let's dive in. A 20-month police investigation into the brutal murders of Ventura attorney Lyman Smith and his wife Charlene culminated early this morning with the arrest of a Ventura Realty agent. Joseph R. Alsip Jr., a former business partner of Smith's, was arrested at 7 a.m. by Ventura police detectives. Alsip, who has been under police scrutiny since shortly after the March 1980 killings, was charged with two counts of murder and booked into county jail Ventura. The man he is suspected of killing, a successful and ambitious 43-year-old attorney, was in line for appointment to a superior court judgeship, which was filled just days after his death. Alsip is being held without possibility of bail. Now that, uh, I just do remember that because he did spend quite a while in jail. Uh, I didn't realize that he was being held without the possibility of bail. I guess I thought he couldn't make bail, but he didn't have the opportunity. So there you go. Because Alsip was charged with more than one murder, a special circumstance allegation was also filed. District Attorney Michael Bradbury said he would seek the death penalty for Alsip if he is convicted. Oh my gosh, I had forgotten that that was part of it. Wow, so I've been around this death penalty a while, I guess. The complaint further charges Alsip with the use of a deadly weapon, a log, in the brutal killings. The arrest caps a massive 20-month investigation by Ventura Police. It is a case in which many details are still shrouded in secrecy. There we go. Ooh, talk about foreshadowing. There you have it right there. The case in which many details are still shrouded in secrecy. So remember, as a family, we also didn't know the details. So when they say shrouded in secrecy, it's not like they told us what was going on. At this point, November of 1981, I'm at UC Davis. I've transferred, let's see. Yeah, this is actually a whole nother year later. So I went to USC for one semester and then transferred up to UC Davis, which was a much better fit. Oh, so much better fit for me. And it also got me closer to, well, right here, close to Sacramento and my grandma and my grandpa, like all the people I cared about really were up here. So it was um, a good move for me. Okay, so let's see. Smith, 43, and his 33-year-old wife were found in the bedroom of their posh Ventura Hillside home on Sunday, March 16, 1980, by Smith's son from a previous marriage, Gary, then 12. They had been bludgeoned to death, allegedly with the log mentioned in the DA's complaint, some two days earlier. The blood-soaked crime scene was immediately cordoned off and sealed by police, setting a pattern of confidentiality in the case that still remains. The motive for the killings is just one of many elements that remain unknown. Ventura Police Captain Paul Leidick, Chief of Detectives, and Senior Attorney Pete Kosoris, who will try the case in the, for the District Attorney's Office, refused to elaborate on even the barest facts of Alsip's arrest. Leidick would say only that Alsip was arrested in Ventura this morning. Alsip was a suspect since very early in the police investigation. He was one of several police focused on their attention upon in efforts to solve the case. Others included Smith's oldest daughter, I just love that, a former law enforcement officer who had a love affair with Mrs. Smith and a prominent Ventura County rancher. All but Alsip were apparently ruled out. There is no information about what police to be the motive for the murders, but the central connection between Alsip and Smith was their partnership in a company called Gap Development that began in the January of 1977. Alsip was the real estate agent, Charles Gilliard was the building contractor, and another member of the civil uh, and another member was civil engineer Bob Placencia. They approached Smith and offered to let him buy into the operation. 
Smith, who harbored an ambition to make money and profit in a variety of business ventures, jumped at the offer. He said, you want a check? Just like that, Gilliard told the Star Free Press in an interview last year. Smith purchased a quarter share of the business, adopting another interest in his already cluttered business responsibilities. Okay, that's kind of that's kind of delightful. Now that I'm a grown-up and I understand this, his cluttered business responsibilities. Oh, cluttered. That's a nice way of saying it. For the next two years, the company struggled to make a name for itself as it purchased and sold properties, built condominiums, and created a mobile home development. But in late 1979, things within the company began to sour. Disagreements over problems with the international revenue international internal that international revenue service, you know. Okay, Jen, get with the program here. Problems with the internal revenue service and over okay, so there oh, let me just I just screwed up that whole sentence, guys. Sorry. Disagreements over problems with the IRS and over business management caused a split with Placencia and Smith on one side and Gilliard and Alsip on the other. There were many things we, Smith and Placencia, were disappointed with. Management was one of them, Placencia said in a 1980 interview. They broke away, and together, Smith and Placencia formed San Juan Enterprises, their own land development company. Placencia later said prospects of their new efforts looked good. Weeks later, Smith was murdered in mid-March, and Alsip's first hint that he was a suspect came shortly after police questioned him, placed him on a polygraph and under hypnosis. This is still so bizarre to me that they used hypnosis. Sorry, guys. I just, sometimes I just like, whoa. Okay, here we go. Through hypnosis, police explored the sequence of events of an evening that Alsip spent with the Smith shortly before their death. Alsip said that the evening was on Wednesday, a full 24 hours before the Smiths were believed to be murdered. Neighbors who met Alsip that night first told police it was Thursday night, but then later changed their stories. After Alsip took the polygraph, police indicated he had passed it. He later recounted. But Gap corporate lawyers heard rumors that police still suspected Alsip. Alsip hired Oxnard defense attorney Paul Clinton, who recommended hiring a private investigator, and Alsip began to build his own criminal defense more than a year before he was arrested. Can you imagine, by the way, like... You just are suspected, and for some reason, you're so convinced they're going to arrest you, and they did. I mean, they did arrest him, but holy crap that you had to hire an attorney, and you had to start to build this defense before you were even arrested, a year before you were arrested. Either it's an interesting consciousness of guilt, which of course, he, we know he's not guilty. He didn't do it. Or uh, I don't know, just maybe past experience. It's just interesting that he took that step. Okay, here we go. Uh, Alsip's friends and associates were questioned, and he complained that police also interrogated his wife. District attorneys investigators pursued gap business files, Gilliard said. He explained in an interview last year that the pall of suspicion racked Alsip emotionally, and Alsip eventually dropped out of gap during the, the business association. During interviews in 1980, sources told the Starfree Press that there was a second suspect in addition to Alsip. The possibility of a second suspect opens up an intriguing aspect to the Smith case, since Alsip has a known connection with an accused hired killer. Oh, there you go. Isn't that the plot twist we were all waiting for? I love that I haven't read this in, in, in over 30 years because I have forgotten all these things. There you have it, though. It, the, <laughs> I just have to read this again because it's so good. 
the possibility of a second suspect opens up an intriguing aspect to the Smith case since Alsip has known a known connection with an accused hired killer. That man, dun-dun-dun, Ventura boat repairman Paul Aaron Wolf, 27, was interviewed by Ventura police in October in connection with the Smith slayings. He has not been arrested. But he is in Ventura County Jail, the same building now housing Alsip, awaiting extradition back to Pennsylvania where he is charged with killing a man for $4,000. Clinton verified last month that Alsip was acquainted with Wolf. So Alsip's attorney did verify that Alsip knew Wolf, a guy who clearly was not killing for very much money for $4,000, but he was going to get extradited back to Pennsylvania. Okay, let's continue. This is interesting. Wolf, a native of Pennsylvania, came to Ventura a few years ago and met Alsip while both were working in the beach area of Ventura. Alsip's Gap office was located on Seward Avenue near the ocean. Despite the lid of secrecy clamped on by the wildly publicized case, these details about the crime have emerged. Here we go. Friends of the couple knew Mrs. Smith to be a scrupulous housekeeper, yet when the police arrived, the home appeared to have been ransacked. Dun, dun, dun. We know what that means. The bedroom, where the bodies were found tied hand and foot, was in similar disarray. The police have repeatedly denied that robbery was a motive. Several thousand... The, okay, I'm sorry. Though the police have repeatedly denied that robbery was a motive, several thousand dollars worth of Mrs. Smith's jewelry was missing. But unaccountably, hundreds of dollars worth of gold the couple kept in the house, as well as Smith's personal jewelry, was left behind. Some have speculated that, that, that items were taken only to give the appearance of robbery. Okay, that's the end of that article, because newspaper articles sometimes end so um, abruptly. But that was on, okay, that's November 20th. The next day, we have a, a little bit more information. This is the next, I guess, um, Alsip went into court, or was supposed to be in court. So here's the next story. This is November 21st, 1981. So again, we're a full year, we're 18 months ahead now after the murders. Smith slaying suspect in court, but hearing off for lack of a lawyer. The man accused in one of Ventura's most notorious murder cases stood silent in court Friday afternoon as a judge quickly postponed arraignment until Monday. The arraignment was delayed because the defendant's attorney was not present. Joseph Alsip Jr., 33, Ventura, is charged in the March 1980 bludgeoning slayings of prominent Ventura attorney Lyman Smith and his wife Charlene. He is being held without possibility of bail. The attorney... 43, oh, I'm sorry, they're talking about Lyman. I thought they were talking about Alsip's attorney. The attorney, 43, and his attractive 33-year-old wife were killed in their sleep by someone who beat them to death with a fire log. Two counts of first-degree murder have been filed along with a special circumstance that, if proven true with the merger charges, would allow for the death penalty to be given. District Attorney Michael Bradbury said such a penalty will be sought if Alsip is convicted. Municipal Court Judge John J. Hunter, who postponed arraignment Friday afternoon, ordered that Alsip continue to be held in custody without bail. The murder stunned prominent members of the legal society who were closely acquainted with Smith, a man reportedly in line for appointment to the Superior Court Judgeship. It's getting old. Shortly after the bodies were found by Smith's son Gary from a previous marriage, I'm sorry, it's always so funny when they say that. It's still his son from a previous marriage. Residents of the posh hillside neighborhood feel, feared the killings were random. Dun, dun, dun. Narrator. Turns out they were. Okay, anyway, here we go. 
But police said there was no such indication, and the man arrested Friday was a former business partner of Smith's. The two had shared ownership of a development company. Isn't that funny? What would be a, the, the police said there was no such indication that it was random. But what would be an indication of random? I mean, how would you indicate that a killing was random? I'm going to need to puzzle my puzzler about this one because I don't know what that would be. Police detectives took Alsip into custody Friday morning at his home in the same office where the development company was once in business. The apartment is directly above a restaurant just off the beach on Seward Avenue. By the way, if you Google that, Seward Avenue in Ventura, it is like, it's a main drag. It goes right down to the beach area. So um, it, I'm sure this office was just right there. You could walk down to the water kind of thing. Okay. Alsip was wearing blue jail garb Friday afternoon and was sitting with other defendants in the arraignment court when his case was called. Deputy Public Defender Lou Hafner appeared for Alsip. Okay, so now he has a public defender, which is weird because what happened... Oh, here, we're going to find out. Deputy Public Defender Lou Hafner appeared for Alsip when the Alsip's hired counsel, Oxnard attorney Paul Clinton, failed to show up. I know he knew about this, Prosecutor Pete Casora said to Hunter. I understood he would be here. <laughs> Oops. I just, it just didn't show up on my calendar. I, I don't know. I, I just completely forgot. No, I'm sorry. Okay, get back, Jen. The two attorneys requested a delay until, for, until later Friday afternoon, but Hunter quickly postponed the case until Monday afternoon. Contacted Friday night, Clinton refused to comment about the case, except to say that he is planning to bring a motion for a setting of bail and indicates he wants to try the case in the court. Alsip has been under investigation since the very early in this murder case, although allegations filed with the court Friday indicate that Alsip allegedly wielded, that's a hard one to say, allegedly wielded the murder weapon in the slayings. Sources told the Star Free Press last year that there was a second suspect. Recently, the Starfield Press learned that the police were interviewing an acquaintance of Smith's Ventura, an acquaintance of Smith's Ventura boat repairman. Okay, this is weird. I think they meant of Al Sips, but okay. Ventura boat repairman Paul Aaron Wolf, 27, in connection with the Smith murders. Wolf is in county jail awaiting extradition to Pennsylvania, where he's charged with killing a man after being offered $4,000. The two men became acquainted when Al Sip rented Wolf a beachside residence. Oh, now that you find out that it's a little bit deeper than them just meeting, Alsip actually rented Wolf a beachside residence. Okay. Contacted in jail by reporters Friday, Wolf said he and Alsip saw and recognized each other in jail Friday. Oh, can you just imagine the high fives? I know Alsip didn't do this, but how, how weird is this turn? This plot twist is totally unexpected. All right, here we go. Um, when pressed about the case, Wolf hung up on a communication phone and walked away. Wolf was scheduled to be extradited this week, but Superior Court Judge Lawrence Storch Friday granted a motion for a hearing on December 1 after Wolf's attorney, Joe O'Neill of Oxnard, sought the hearing on various legal issues, sought the hearing on various legal issues relating to the extradition. Okay, so I know that Judge Storch was a friend of Lyman and Charlene's. I remember that name, but it's interesting that we have this whole side thing going on with this boat guy. Again, we all know what happens with this case. Nobody's guilty here, but it's still super, super weird that we have all these people in and out of this case and being involved in the who did what to whom nonsense. So, okay, I'm going to, um, I have one, maybe two more articles to bring to you here. I was wondering if I can get through December. I, no, I cannot. There's so many more things. Okay, let's keep going. We're going to see 
um, we're going to have a couple things here that are going to change now. Noted Ventura lawyer joins the Smith case. Okay, so this is November 24, 1981. So what was I just read to you was Friday. So this is going to obviously, that was the 21st, 22nd, 23rd. Yeah, this is the, um, remember again, the newspapers come out one time a day. And they come out in Ventura at about, well, we got ours around 5, 30, 6 o'clock. And I know at the time, well, I wasn't home now. I'm up at Davis. But at the time back, back in um, 1980, I used to wait for that paper because that's how we found out information. It was a big deal. So here we go from November 24th. I actually might have been home for this one because this sounds like it's around Thanksgiving. Note, a noted Ventura defense attorney will help defend the man accused of the 1980 bludgeon murders of a prominent Ventura couple. Attorney James McNally, a former Iowa State legislator, legislator who has been practicing in the county for 13 years, was in court Monday afternoon requesting a second delay in the arraignment of Joseph Alsip Jr., 33. Alsip is charged with first-degree murder in the deaths of Lyman and Charlene Smith. McNally, who asked the court for the delay, said he would be returned by he would be retained by Alsip, who has already hired Oxnard attorney Paul Clinton. Two heads are always better than one, McNally told a reporter after the court appearance. Oh my God! If my attorney said that, I would smack him. I'm not paying you so much an hour to come up with that kind of. Okay. Anyway, he's from Iowa. That's. I just insulted Iowa. That wasn't even my intention. I'm so sorry, Iowa. That's not what I meant. I meant it was like down home kind of saying, which is two heads are better than one. That's what you say, down home advice. Anyway, municipal court judge Art Gutierrez granted a delay of arraignment, the second since Alsip's arrest Friday until December 1st. That's about a week. Okay. He ordered that Alsip, a Ventura real estate agent who is married and the father of two children, remain jailed without possibility of bail. District Attorney Michael Bradbury has said he will seek the death penalty for Alsip. Alsip is charged with multiple murders and sec- cir- special circumstances. Ventura police arrested him uh, Friday morning at his beachside home, providing the first major break after 20 months of investigation into the one of the city's most widely publicized murder cases. McNally said he would seek a bail setting. Seek a bail setting for Alsip? That's a weird thing to say, a bail setting? Instead of a he would seek a bail setting. I don't, that's a weird set bail, I guess. McNally said he would seek a bail setting for Alsip two or three days after his arraignment. Deputy District Attorney Pete Casores, the prosecutor in the case, told Gutierrez he will oppose any bail and said he plans to file an affidavit in support of no bail. He also asked that the affidavit, when it is filed, be sealed to prevent any publicity, oh, secrets, to prevent any publicity that would open the way for a change of venue in the case, a possibility which concerns Casores. Alsip and Smith, who was 43, were business partners sharing ownership of a development company that eventually split up with Alsip and Smith on opposite sides. The split occurred not long before Smith was killed. It was, oh, anyway, this is all, within weeks, Alsip, okay, this is all stuff you've heard this before. Okay, let's switch over here because this, we're going to go, let's just fast forward now because what we got was a continuance to December 1st, so now here we go with the arraignment. That's it's December second, nineteen eighty one, and now this is the arraignment. So these are just we're taking days. We're adding lawyers. This man's this poor man sitting in jail during the holidays. Unfortunately, I think had his business associates not been quite so yucky. That's a technical term, by the way. But like this is what's getting Joe in trouble. So let's find out where we are now on December second, nineteen eighty one. 
Arraignment again delayed in Smith double killing case. Arraignment, this is Greg Zoria too. I've got to find him. I wonder if he's still around. Arraignment for the man suspected of murdering Lyman and Charlene Smith was delayed a third time Tuesday so he could hammer out last minute details in hiring his two defense attorneys. Joe Alsip Jr. faces two counts of first jury to murder and a possible death penalty is now scheduled to be arraigned on the charges next Tuesday, another week away. The two defense attorneys, Paul Clinton of Oxnard and James McNally of Ventura, said they're very close to working out the financial details so they can defend Alsip in a highly complicated case that may draw out for many months. You knew it was going to be about money, and I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine what all this cost Joe. And again, it was for no reason, right? I mean, we know he didn't do it, but at the time, he's just got to pay because he's got to save his own booty. So I I can't even imagine what this cost him. And then we didn't have GoFundMe back there, guys. This was like, you are screwed. You are just screwed. Okay, neither attorney has been officially retained in the case. That is so interesting. So by December 2nd, it's got to be a cash flow problem because neither of these attorneys are formally retained yet. Municipal Court Judge Art Gutierrez granted the delay in a brief court proceeding Tuesday afternoon after a meeting with the two attorneys and prosecutor Pete Casores in a conference out of the courtroom. We asked if he would waive his rights to a spe- when asked if he would waive his rights to a speedy trial or speedy arraignment, Alsip, who is jailed without possibility of bail at present, answered simply, "Yes, sir." A bail review hearing may be set within a few days of Alsip's newly scheduled arraignment next week. A preliminary hearing for ALSIP, during which a judge will decide if there's sufficient evidence to warrant a trial, may not be held until January at the earliest. Okay, so there you go. It's the preliminary hearing, or the prelim, as we all call it, because I'm one of those people that says, as we all call it. Uh, but the prelim is what they were looking to get started. Again, we're in we're December 2nd, the, as this article is written. The arraignment's now been pushed out another week, so I think we're working on the third week at this point, and they want to talk about bail, so we know that prelim's not happening at least until January, at the earliest, it says. Venture police arrested Alsip November 20th at his beachside home, concluding an investigation that lasts 20 months and involved one of the most notorious murders in Ventura's history. Smith, let's see, uh, blah, 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 blah. No, this, okay, everything else is you can all hear. You, you all know the regular stuff. Okay, so let's go down because then here we have a week later and I'm super interested in all this because it it just keeps going. Here we go, we get to December 8th. So now another week has passed. Joe's still in jail. Um, he hasn't even been arraigned, which is nuts to me because that's really where they bring the charges against you. But that hasn't even happened because we have these lawyer problems. That's probably not how he described it. I'm sure it had much more colorful language. Here we go. Hearing, this is December 8th, 1981. Hearing delayed again in the Smith murder case. At this point, if you've done a giant eye roll, imagine being a young person like I was going, what is going on here? And there's nothing going on here. Luckily, I'm so glad I was in school because this kind of stuff when you're a kid just seems like life just takes forever. Hearing delayed again. Arraignment for Joe Alsip Jr. has been delayed again, but this time at the request of the prosecution. Deputy District Attorney Pete Casoris, who is prosecuting Alsip, charged with the 1980 murders of Lyman and Charlene Smith, 
could not make the raiment today because of the death of his mother last Wednesday. Oh, I didn't even know that happened. I mean, of course, real life happens. But um, wow. So that just has to push it out just because now the arraignment is now scheduled for Thursday. The hearing during which Alsip will be formally advised of the charges against him and will enter a plea and be advised of further proceedings has been delayed three times before, each time by request of the defense. Um, and then they just say he's being charged with killing Lemon and Charlene. So I'm going to go because this is, okay, that was the 8th. Let's just go on here to the um, 11th, of course, because three more days go forward because Mr. Kosoris's mother died, which I'm sorry, Pete, that was bad. Um, here we go. Smith killing defendant. Oh, my God. Smith killing defendant. That's Smith hyphen killing. So you're, you could read that wrong. Smith killing defendant seeks new lawyer. Did you not see this one coming? Did you have this on your bingo card? Everybody get out your cards and check. More lawyers? Here we go. Ventura developer Joseph Alsip Jr. was charged with the murders of a prominent attorney and his wife cannot afford to hire two defense attorneys who have been working on his behalf. Shocking. This doesn't surprise me at all. Holy crap, who could afford it? As a result, Alsip on Thursday requested a fifth postponement of his arraignment on the murder charges so that he can search out another attorney. I'd like to ask for a two-week continuance, Alsip told Maj Now he's speaking for himself. Wow. I'd like to ask for a two-week continuance, Alsip told Municipal Court Judge Art Gutierrez. Deputy District Attorney Pete Casares did not object to a delay and requested that the arraignment be set for December 23rd, and Gutierrez agreed. Alsip remains in jail without possibility of bail, and he is charged with two counts of first-degree murder. Okay, um, let's see. Alsip could face the death penalty if convicted. I would have liked... I would have liked to have taken the case, said Ventura defense attorney James McNally. I can tell you it would have been an extremely interesting case. He emphasized that the reason he was not retained had nothing to do with the innocence or alleged guilt of the defendant. McNally and Oxnard defense attorney Paul Clinton have spent much of the past four weeks trying to work out financial arrangements whereby Alsip could hire them for his defense in what would likely be a long trial. Clinton was hired by Alsip last year when he first came under investigation in the Smith slayings. And at that time, Alsip said he knew he was a suspect and hired Clinton in order to help begin preparing a defense. Obviously, financial considerations are part of any decision, McNally said, about Alsip's inability to hire the two men. Part of the decision about how much money it would take would relate to the obvious fact that this case might be moved to another county. Such a change of venue would mean considerable expense to attorneys assigned to the case. So this is interesting. I'm sorry, I've got to go. We're going to, that's all I'm going to, I'll share in this episode, but it's interesting to me because this is so relevant then, uh, mind you, 40 years ago, but if there was a change in venue, Alsip was trying to hire his own attorneys. Here in Sacramento, we have D'Angelo, who of course hasn't spent a dime of his own money on anything. And in fact, any assets that he has are no longer attached to him, but have been gifted or bequeathed to other surviving members of his family, which is, we can all have our own opinions about, but honestly, D'Angelo has not coughed up a dime, and I really, truly believe he should have to. He should have to pay for his defense until he can't. I don't know how that works, but he is not indigent. Well, he was not indigent, 
And here we have this case. We're looking at a $21 million price tag. That's all in. And it's you know it's going to be higher. Now we have delays on top of everything else. But that's all in. That includes, I believe, both prosecution and defense. But again, we know it was going to be more expensive. And here, the taxpayers have to eat that up here in Sacramento. But back in Ventura 40 years ago, this all came out of an innocent man's pocket. He probably went into serious debt or put his properties at risk, which is almost mind-numbing because this man was innocent. And here we have our guilty guy, the asshat in jail right now, who hasn't had to put out anything. In fact, if anything, he's cost all of us, all survivors, all victims money because many of us went to therapy in the in-betweens. Many of us had to rearrange our lives. Um, I love how Chris Pedretti said he was in everybody's homes. Like there was just so much havoc wreaked by this man, D'Angelo. And it, yet financially, it has not cost him a damn thing. That is a real inequity. And if I can get um, a friend of mine who is a defense attorney to come on, I really want to talk about that because there is a financial aspect to all of this. And I think it gets glossed over. It's just, you know, here we are. D'Angelo already cost the taxpayers of Sacramento County and all the other counties tens and tens and tens of thousands of dollars. And now here he is costing in the millions for for what? Ugh, for what? Anyway, uh, I'm really having some new perspectives now that I've been sitting in quarantine or stay at home, whatever you want to call it. But I'm really realizing how much we don't need a lot of stuff and how we sometimes spend money on the wrong things. But this is a really good example of a man who's taken way, way more than his fair share of all kinds of things in addition to harming people. And I just, it's so unfair. I know, Jen, nobody said life was fair, but it's just the the lack of equity here is unbelievable. And especially when you care, compare it here to what Joe Alsip went through and um, how hard it must have been on him and the financial toll it took on him and his young family. I remember his kids. We would all, all of us kids would get together for certain functions. I was like, I told you that we have these functions we would go to. So I remember his kids. Um, anyway... We'll stop there for tonight, and then I'll put another one in the bag um, very, very shortly because I want to get through this. I think I find it fascinating, and we haven't even gotten to all the new news yet and all the salacious information. So I hope everybody out there is being safe and watching their health, and I, and I hope you're all good, and I will talk to you next time.